With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are tuned in to the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl Watchlist Show with your hosts Rick Staratella and Joe Everett featuring NFLPA Bowl Executive Director Dane Vandernath. Back at it again. It's the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl Big Board Show. Episode number eight of the season, the autumn wins, and we are, I believe, college football hashtag 150 week six now, just uh, moving and grooving through the college football season. Unbelievable. The 2020 NFL PA Collegiate Bowl now just three months away, give or take, which is scary to say. We have to assemble a 112-man roster, and I will tell you this, it's going to be the most diverse roster of top prospects really all over the world if you're talented we will find you if it's in another country if it's at d2 d3 fcs mid-major levels independence we're scouring the nation on location for sure and i am your host by the way rick saratella for today's festivities we appreciate you joining us once again coming back we're on the attack, but we do this each and every week, so we appreciate all of you who subscribe out there on the iTunes universe, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, and so on and so forth. I'll be joined by my new co-host in just a minute. We'll introduce him. But first, we are privileged and honored to have the college recruiting director of the NFL, PA Bowl, uh, the man behind the new leadership, a lot of newness going on around this uh, game, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that are going on with the NFL PA Bowl. He is Dane Vandernat, and listen, if you're not following Dane on Twitter yet, he is at D Vandernat, and of course, NFL PA Bowl, at NFL PA Bowl, hashtag NFL PA Bowl. You can find out all of our travels, all of our behind-the-scenes coverage, and everything going on out there on social media, so... With that being said, let's welcome in Dane to the hotline. And uh, Dane, I know you're you're always moving and grooving, my man. It's hard to keep up with you. I know uh, you're on the road just as much as uh, anybody in the country right now. So how are the travels treating you? Hey, man, the travels treat me a heck of a, a lot better than the dance floor when the moving and grooving gets taking place. But hey, man, it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, coming at you today from Cincinnati, Ohio. There you go. And and you're also becoming a podcast aficionado now with uh, all these podcast appearances now. You're making the rounds, and uh, pretty soon, you know, you're going to have your degree in podcasting. Yeah, well, you know, when you got the face for radio, that's what you kind of get, uh, you know, pigeonholed <laughs> for a little bit. So, you know, hey, man, I'll take what I can get. No, it, it, it's been a lot of fun, and, um, you know, it's been – uh, just a blast for me to get on and try and preach some NFL PA Bowl, but you know it as well as anybody, Rick. It's just fun talking football, man, and it's a great time of year to be doing just that. No doubt, no doubt. And I love the fact that, you know, we're being transparent about this whole process. We're letting you know where we're at, who we're looking at, what we're doing. And uh, I, it's it's been great working with you. I feel good about 
the direction that this event is going, and there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to have a uh, great, great roster uh, for NFL teams to want to come out and see. And that, that goes for anybody, fans, media. You know, the more the merrier. We're at the historic Rose Bowl in Pasadena, January 18th, 2020. And another person that will be on location is my new co-host, Von Hutchins of course, of the NFL PA Bowl, spending the past seven years with the Raiders, along with Dane, uh, assistant director of personnel over there, pro scouting, six seasons in the NFL. And right now, my new shotgun partner on the, on the co-host seat, Von Hutchins, uh, joins us right now. So we're going to talk about the NFL PA Bowl before we do. Von, welcome into the show. Appreciate you hopping on and looking forward to chatting with you each week. Oh man, definitely, definitely. I'm excited. I'm excited for being uh for having the opportunity to come on and talk and and chat and just like Dane said, man, just speak football, just talk football. Be candid about situations that we that we see, things that we see, guys that we see, places that we that we're traveling to. Uh, just excited for the opportunity to come and just be around in an environment where we can just be candid about the game that we love. And, of course, you know, uh, Vaughn also on location across the nation, especially down there in the southeast. So, you know, he's got his finger on the pulse. If you want to follow him on Twitter, too, definitely. Uh, we're covering the entire nation, no doubt about it. Of course, the International Combine at the end of the month, we'll be keeping tabs on that as well. Um, but, you know, Dan, I since, I, since you're on location, let's start with you first. Uh, you know, give us a little rundown here. You're in Cincinnati today. Uh, I think you'll be at a big time matchup this weekend. Where are you headed next, my man? Yeah, no, I'm uh, actually heading up the road to Dayton, Ohio today to go uh, talk to the football folks up there. And then I'll be here tonight. We got uh, the, the night the UCF taken on the Bearcats. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing that matchup tonight. And then tomorrow night, uh, a big one in Big Ten country is Michigan State travels down to Columbus to take on uh, Ohio State. So. Looking forward to seeing the, the Buckeyes and Sparty go head-to-head -to -head tomorrow night. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a NFL PA Big Ten invasion. I'll be out at the um, Penn State-Purdue game on Saturday. And, uh, you know, Purdue dealing with a, a slew of injuries. Dane, I'm curious to get your perspective real quick, and I know then uh, Vaughn's going to fire one at you. But, you know, there's so many injuries going on in college football some pertaining to uh, seniors, others pertaining to underclassmen. But just – I know there's a lot of players out there that listen to this show. Being on the pro side of things, your 10 years of experience with the Raiders, what kind of advice would you give to a player who is injured, who is weighing whether he should turn pro? What does the process look like? What are some of the things he should take into consideration? Well, and, you know, I know that Vaughn can speak to this too as a – former player who turned pro but you know I think that the most important thing is, to, is if you're a young player and if you ha have big decisions to make I think you need to number one be honest with yourself and where you are as far as the player in your own progress number two talk to the right people be candid as Vaughn said you know kind of leading up to this and you know have straightforward conversations with people who you can trust and who have your best interest in mind not just the dollar in mind. And when it comes to some of these players, you know, who are deciding to enter transfer portals and, and or, you know, trying to come out early, unfortunately, we're getting a slew of underclassmen these years who are 
um, coming out early, who are entering the draft, who are going undrafted, who aren't yet ready to make that leap to the National Football League, because it is a leap and it is a big difference. And again, Devon can speak more to that than I, but, um, you know, I think for some of these guys, sometimes the best bet is to return to your school, return to your program, get a little bit stronger, get some more experience under your belt, be able to you know, have a full body of work next year as you then begin the process again. But, you know, these are all individual circumstances, individual decisions that need to be made. You know, so that's why it's always, hey, you know, be honest with yourself. If you're going to, you know, go to the um, NFL and if you're going to request a grade, take that into consideration and factor that heavily. That's what the NFL is telling you. They see your current value as. And then most importantly, speak to people who have your best interest in mind. And Dane, absolutely, absolutely, Dane. I'm, I, I had I had a saying when I would talk to the guys uh, in the building, man. Uh, it's two things that you want when you get to the next level. Longevity, that's longevity in the game. That's protecting your body, getting your body right, preparing your body for the next game, making sure that your investment, this is your business, making sure that your own personal investment can last and sustain not only the 16 games or better yet, the 20 games that you're going to go through uh, just the regular season, preseason, not including any playoffs, but for the amount of time that you want to spend. If you want to spend 10 plus years in the league, man, make sure that your body can make it to that point and respect. You want respect in this league. And a lot of times with these underclass and they feel like uh, people pump them up. Uh, Agents are in, in the building. They got handlers and all these guys, recruiters and all these guys that are coming, you know, building them up to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, you might be the greatest thing at that university, but you might not be uh, the best thing in your own state. And and that's not the perspective of the, to put the, the guys down is that sometimes from a physical, emotional, uh, developmental standpoint, you're just not ready. You're not mature enough. You got to realize, man, guys, you come in and work out at five o'clock in the morning. You got meetings, special teams meetings are going to start at 7. Uh, you got offense, defense is going to be at 8. You got to walk through that at 10. You got lunch that's at 11, 11.30 to 12. You got other meetings that start at 1. You got uh, special teams practice that begins at 2.30. And you keep this thing rolling week after week after week. And if you can't translate something or bring something from the classroom onto the field during walkthroughs, at some point, that coach is going to lose your respect. You know what I mean? You're not going to be able to gain the coach's respect and the coach's trust to say, hey, I can put this underclassman on the field. He's, no, nah, I mean, he's out clubbing, he's out partying. Yeah, you got money in your pocket because you left school early, so you're doing better than the guys that you were, that were at school. But long, long-term-wise, it might not be the right situation. So like Dane said, man, you just got to make sure you get the right advice from the correct people that got your best interests in mind, not just their pocket. It's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and you know what, Rick, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that there's a, a, a better person you could have on this podcast than Vaughn because, while well, uh, you know, he'll always throw out the hottie toddy down there at Ole Miss. Vaughn actually got his degree in accounting and is one of the most prepared financially people you'll ever meet, Rick. So, uh, and Vaughn, real quick, just so you know, I, I want you to be uh, educated in, in who you're doing this podcast with. So last week, uh, Rick hit me up and said, hey, man, I got you know, a slight issue on the new uh, scouting system. And I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? We went back and forth a little bit and ultimately said, hey, man, why don't you, uh, you know, FaceTime me 
so that I can, you know, take a look at your computer screen and we can figure out exactly what's going on. And so Rick, you know, right away, boom, hangs up, immediately FaceTimes me back. And what am I presented with, Vaughn? But this beautiful man, Rick, shirtless, in his hotel room, <laughs> sitting there looking at his screen, just 100% relaxed. So just, man, he was at it. And it was wonderful, man. Party foul. Party foul. I was, just, I was just listening to an interview just the other day. I think uh, Edelman had something going on, maybe on HBO. Uh, I'm not trying to pub the show, but Edelman was talking about a situation that he had with Belichick. Early in his career, he's he's going to the hot tub, to the cold tub late at night, man. He's just trying to get his body back right, man. Edelman's a grinder. You know, he's trying to make the team. He's really trying to get put it in. And who does he see working out at 1030 on the treadmill looking at tapes? But Belichick. So he kind of sneaks past that like, oh, I don't want to go that direction. You know what I mean? I, I don't even want to yeah. encounter this. So he goes to the steam room and goes to the, the cold tub and who does he eyeball Belichick and what happens when Belichick sees him he steps out of the, the cold tub and what is he in full blown bareness <laughs> party foul man <laughs> party foul <laughs> no shirtless guy man. Time, man. <laughs> hey, hey, hey hey things things get crazy over here at the Jersey Shore what can I say fellas <laughs>
start letting these guys know that, hey, look, we've been following you. We've been evaluating you. We've been talking to people about you and your character and who you are as a man and, 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 and the great attributes that we think uh, you're going to translate from the college level to the NFL level. So we'll start getting some of those out and uh, really start gearing up for, uh, for what Rick was mentioning in the lead up, man, to a fantastic and a nice diverse uh, 2020 NFL PA Bowl. Yeah, January uh, 18th, 2020, Pasadena, California. And uh, there you have it. Now, you know, all, everyone out there that's been asking me, hey, when are invites going out? If you listen to the NFLPA Big Board Show, then you know uh, a couple weeks that whole process is going to begin. And, you know, Dane just uh, did what we call here in radio a, a tease. You're just going to have to wait till next week for that big TV broadcast announcement hey listen dan i know uh you're out of uh, school right now as we speak so i'll let you boogie on out of here man <clears throat> i'm looking forward to uh the next three months putting together the roster hopping on each week chopping it up with you and vaughn so uh as always we always appreciate the time no i absolutely appreciate you guys having me on here man i can't wait hey, you know sometimes rick we always say in scouting that you got to evaluate the evaluator so uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun listening to you and Vaughn chop it up here these coming weeks, man, and doing my own evaluations of, uh, of Vaughn as a uh, podcast co-host here. Hey, uh, no doubt about it. We all have opinions. We all have opinions. <laughs> Some are better than others. You know what I mean? <laughs> I enjoyed it, man. Enjoyed it, man. Uh, no doubt. Care, hey, guys, hey, have a great one, and uh, looking forward to talking to you guys here next week. Yeah, enjoy that shootout with uh, Cincinnati and UCF, two high-powered offenses right there. And, uh, you know, that's the, that's the other beautiful thing about it is, you know, uh, in addition to Dane and Vaughn, I mean, we've got, you know, not only are we going to field a diverse uh, uh, football roster, but, I mean, the staff that we have uh, from all levels. I mean, um, Dave McLuhan is another guy, Riley McKenzie, of course, ties with the Oakland Raiders, but these two guys have uh, been around, whether it's Green Bay, Seattle, around the league. We also have uh, Ron Hill working with us in the uh, scouting operations and, you know, four decades of experience. So, uh, you know, Vaughn, you know, you've seen it from a player side. You've seen it from a scout side. You are uh, shedding insight now on the media side here. So, uh, you know, I'm going to have fun picking your brain each and every week and, you know, for those tuning in for the first time, we're here each and every week on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. But for those tuning in for the first time, you know, give the people at home a little bit of uh, background about yourself, what you've been doing the past seven years with Oakland and some of the stuff you're doing now with NFLPA. Uh, again, like I said, man, I'm just excited for the opportunity to come out and speak my truth, you know, uh, let my voice be heard about what my thoughts, what my opinions are on some of these guys across the country. Uh, past seven years, I've been out at Oakland with Dane, with Dave McLuhan, with Riley McKenzie, uh, all those guys out with Reggie Staff. Uh, five years as, an, as a pro scout, two years as the assistant director of pro scouting. And, I mean, we, we worked. We, we worked hard. We, we grind or put in work, as, as, as we would say, uh, in trying to build uh, – an organization where, I mean, we started, we didn't have much cash. I mean, we were in the hole, uh, I think 50 to $60 million with guys that were off the roster. Uh, so when you're talking about salary cap wise, we were 
we were handcuffed, forced to spend between 90 and 100, where everybody else was spending 150. Uh, didn't have draft picks. Uh, the stigma of the Oakland Raiders over our head, just from the perspective of, oh, that's a place where veterans come to die. You know what I mean? Per se, or just come to collect that check. You know, and we felt like that we built a pretty good roster. And and during that time, learned a lot about the scouting process. Learned a lot about myself. Uh, prior to scouting, uh, I spent six years in the NFL, drafted in Indianapolis, uh, played in Houston, uh, was in Atlanta with the Falcons. Uh, Graduated from Ole Miss, as Dane said, with a degree in accounting. Uh, so I've been around good quarterback play. I say that say I've been around good quarterback play. I, I spent five years with Eli. Uh, spent three years of, in Indy with Peyton. Uh, spent Matt Ryan's first couple years in Atlanta. Was in Houston with Shabby, with Matt Schaub. So I've been around good quarterback play. I've been around excellent coaches. David Cutcliffe. Uh, head coach at Duke right now, you guys see what he's done with that program that he, since he's been there over over the last decade or so. He's brought that program up to where you, they're respectable. Look at Daniel Jones, the number six pick in the draft. You know, the number six pick in the draft. He's an Eli clone. He looks like him. He, the mannerisms, the way he throws the football. I see him. Only thing that's mm -hmm. different, Eli, man, much respect to you is, Daniel got you beat athletically, man. <laughs> Eli, Eli, it was that time when I was <laughs> I was worried if you would trip over the sidewalk and hurt yourself. You know what I mean? But Daniel, he has talent. But <laughs> from an athletic perspective. Uh, but, man, I've, I've, I've been around the game all my life. So, uh, again, Rick, I just appreciate the opportunity to come out and, like, like I said, speak my word. Again, guys, follow on uh, underscore V Hutchins on Twitter just so you can see the type of material that Dana and myself, as well as Rick with the Collegiate Bowl, we put out. So you can see what type of guys we like. Uh, we have, uh, we've come up through uh, Reggie's kind of thought process of having uh, measurable uh, standards that you want to live by, that you want ideally to uh, quantify. And we like those type of guys. A lot of us like those type of guys, you know. So just check us out. Look at us. Uh, I'll be excited to be on here for the next couple of weeks, Rick. Uh, so we're gonna have a blast. No, it's great. It's uh, it's been fun. We've had you on the show before, and now we're gonna go full throttle and and uh, get into some scouting and and chop it up, talk some football. So it's a beautiful thing. And you know, you mentioned Daniel Jones. You know, it was like I saw a few games, and I got to see him up close at the Senior Bowl. Then I had a chance. You know, I probably had about a ten minute conversation with him. And I left that conversation just being like, wow, this, this is Eli. This is, you know, being in New Jersey and being around <laughs> Eli and talking to Eli plenty. I'm like, man, it's like, like you said, an Eli clone. And I wanted to kind of try to resist that comparison because it just seemed too easy. Right. The, the cliff connection. And, um, mm -hmm. but no, you're right. It's, it's, it's Eli with mobility. And I think that's what you saw why the giants offense, you know, got out of that funk is because Daniel Jones can scoot and you saw him make some big runs and some big plays with his feet. And let's be honest, that's the way the NFL was trending the days of, you know, pocket passing, you know, dinosaur quarterbacks uh, like Eli and big Ben and some of these other guys, Brady breeze, they're all going to be out of the league and it's a new breed of quarterback. It's a new style. You know, you, you say, 
well, Lincoln Riley is going to be the hottest commodity. That's because the spread attack has invaded the NFL. There was nine air raid quarterbacks this past Sunday starting from the air raid system, which yep. is, you know, you, you, you would have thought that was unheard of at one time. Absolutely. Absolutely. College trends at some point trickle into the NFL. No matter how much you may resist it, at some point, college trends will trickle in. It's just a matter of how long it, how long it stays. And if defenses find a way to adjust to it and neutralize exactly what the offensive advantage is. Right now, the way the league is set up with pass interference, the way it's the offensive advantage uh, to where DBs can't touch, uh, pass five, linebackers can't jam pass five, uh, the emphasis on keeping the quarterbacks healthy. Man, these guys are going to play longer. It's seven-on-seven seven ball with pads on. Uh, so it's geared towards putting points on the scoreboard so fans come and watch the game, so fantasy football players and participants are able to feel like they're involved. Uh, so that's the, that's the direction. You're going to see more Baker Mayfield, more Lamar Jackson. More, you won't see many more Patrick Mahomes, I can tell you that, though. <laughs> those those yeah. guys don't come around all the time. You know, it'll be another decade before you see another guy like Patrick Mahomes. Just to be honest with you, if you ever, if that, if that guy comes around again, just all the intangibles plus what he can do with his arm and arm angles. Uh, I was at a preseason game two years ago uh, in Atlanta, and Mahomes threw one uh, that I mean it may have been 70, 72 yards in the air to uh, I think it was Tyreek Hill, and when he threw it. Me being a defensive back and the, the way we were sitting in the press box, I'm behind uh, the end zone. So I'm looking at Tyreek already 60 yards down the field. And Mahomes is like, you know, Tecmo Bowl, let me drop back and launch this thing as, as far as I can, you know. And I'm thinking, okay, it's about to be a jump ball. Let's see Tyreek against these three guys, three defenders, who at that point, you know, have relaxed. As a DB, man, you're 60 yards down the field. Nobody's going to throw the ball that far. And it's definitely not going over your head. You know what I mean? Well, he hit Tyreek in stride. This guy doesn't – Patrick Mahomes doesn't come around often, fellas. You know, so don't throw comps out about him. And, you know, there's no comps. You know, you know what I mean? So that's – and, 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 and the crazy thing – and the crazy thing is every team bypassed on Patrick Mahomes just about. I mean, where did he go? I guess he still went in the first round. But a lot of teams bypassed because he was in that Cliff yeah. Kingsbury Texas Tech offense that, Absolutely. like you said, has now <laughs> revolutionized the NFL. And everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of teams bypassed them because they kind of just labeled them as a system quarterback and they ignored the traits. And I think there's a lesson to be learned there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to grade the traits. Grade the traits. Project where he can be in the future. Disregard what's going on offensively, defensively, schematically. Uh from the collegiate level, translate those traits that you see, uh, athleticism, explosiveness, uh, those type of things from the movement skill uh, perspective, uh, those traits and put those into categories as to how will they translate when you're rushing the passer versus an all-pro left tackle, when you're defending Julio Jones, who's 6'3", 220, when you're facing an A.B. who's 5'9", 190, uh, when you got to go against Tyreek Hill, how does a Jalen Ramsey, a long type corner re- relate? If he's a four or five guy, how does he come? Uh, how, how does he 
deal with his lack of speed per se versus somebody that's four three. Uh, how does he deal with that? How does he work through it? How do you work through your issues, man? Every player in the NFL has to understand. Every player on the collegiate level has to understand and be honest with yourself. Know who you are. I can watch film of Deion Sanders all day long. Shit, I don't move like Deion. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't. Yeah. My body's not the same. <laughs> I have to know what my own limitations are and then work and study in order to get myself better in that regard. So, man, definitely. But like you said, man, I got off subject a little bit, but like you said, man, that air raid system, uh, those type of offenses, they're going to be here for a while. As long as it's a 7-on-7 passing league, uh, that Mike Leach system, that air raid system, that old run-and-shoot Houston-type system that – uh, those guys, Buddy Ryan and those guys, I think, with the Houston Oilers back then, that stuff is coming back. Warren Moon threw for a ton of yards with it. You know, back then, they just advanced it, man. It's coming at you faster. Guys are running quicker plays. There's changes in tempo. There's more personnel that's involved. Uh, so defenses have to respond. Defenses have to counter that. How will they do it? No doubt you're talking or you're listening to uh, Rick Saratella and Von Hutchins here on the NFL PA Collegiate Big board show, the Autumn Wins edition. We've got uh, Raider Nation uh, representing here. Of course, we had Dane Vandernat at the beginning of the show, executive uh, recruiter, director of college recruiting at the NFL PA Bowl. And there's just so much going on. It's got me going crazy. Of course, we got the uh, salute to military going on here at the NFL PA Bowl, where uh, with the new change of uh, law, you know, making the military cadets now eligible. Uh, upon their graduation so we'll have a representative from army and navy and air force and hey uh, these are some good talented football teams too with some very talented players so i'm excited about that and of course if you want to get a heads up on who we're looking at we have the uh, campus confidential reports each and every week we're recapping where we're at the players that we saw who's turning heads who's impressing we also have of course, the master big board, the NFL PA big board, nearly uh, 400 names on that list. And, you know, people always ask me, well, why isn't so-and-so on the list? Why isn't so-and-so? Are they eliminated from the process? I said, no, doesn't mean you can't be added to the big board. That was our preliminary list. And let's be honest, people, it's a process of elimination and addition and subtraction. I mean, people are going to get injured. Others are going to step up. And, uh, you know, we're trying to step up our game here on the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl Big Board Show. So, hey, we appreciate you tuning in. We're already a month and change uh, blowing through the season, Vaughn. So with that, I must ask you, you know, you've been around. You've been making the campus visits since August. You've been out to a handful of games. Uh, Give me some guys here who have turned your head throughout the first month of the college football season. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to start down here uh, at these big schools in the South, man. In the South, uh, it's all about big defensive linemen. How are guys going to pressure and affect the quarterback? In the SEC, how are you going to stop the run? How how are you going to defend uh, Joe Burrow and stop him from getting on the edge? What are you going to do to affect uh, Jake Fromm at Georgia? What's going on uh, – how, how are you going to disguise coverages with, with, with Jake Bentley? Or how are you going to be able to pressure his in, on the inside? I got two guys, man, that 
that, that are down here at, at Auburn and South Carolina. Derek Brown and Javon Kinlow. I mean, scouts and executives are going to fight it out to see which one of these guys will be the top defensive tackle on the board uh, when it's all said and done. And I hadn't seen everybody in the country, and I'm not uh, – I'm, I'm a little bit biased anyway with, with guys in the SEC playing in the SEC at Ole Miss. But at the same time, it's not often that you see 6'4", 305, 6'4", 315-pound uh, big men that can move the way that they can move agile uh, like they are but still play with power, still be able to conquer down and defeat a double, uh, quickness to uh, beat single block. Uh, when guys sit on their bull rush, uh, no, I got feet, hips, quickness, uh, and hand mobility, hand fighting uh, ability to win as a pass rusher. I mean, these two guys, Javon Kenlo, uh himself has four sacks early on. And we're talking about a guy who is 6'5", 308, 34 and 5'8", arms. And arm length, you know, people always talk about arm length and this and that and how it can be advantageous. It's great if you use it. It's not if you don't use it. He knows how to use his length. He knows how to affect the quarterback. Uh, and Derrick Brown, I mean, obviously everybody's been fired up about him uh, recently and what he's been doing. We got everyone saw what he did a couple weeks ago uh, in the SEC, uh, two sacks. But these two guys, man, these two big body uh, three techs or nose in a three four type system, uh, these guys will be high on executives and teams' lists that uh, like those defensive tackles. Yeah, you know, I was a bit surprised. I felt like Derrick Brown was a top 10 pick had he come out last year's draft. So I was a little bit surprised that he came back this year. And then, you know, uh, Kinlaw, I had a chance to see him week one against North Carolina. And, man, what a turnaround. I mean, his frame is lean. He dropped about 40 pounds, got serious about his diet. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it goes back to what some of the things you guys were saying about making the correct decisions. Uh, sometimes you're not mature enough. Sometimes, you know, I always hear, hey, you know, uh, senior year, he really put his nose in the film room uh, during the summer. You know, uh, a lot of players don't automatically do that when they come to school freshman, sophomore years. Then they get to, you know, being a upperclassman, junior year rolls around. All of a sudden now coaches are saying, hey, well, you know, we'd like to see you step up your leadership role. We need to you to be able to locate uh, the film room without a GPS, you know? And so I think Kinlaw is a guy that's really starting to uh, maximize his potential, reach his ceiling, putting it all together here in this senior year, making a strong push. And since you, you know, you brought it up, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit now, Vaughn, because you said NFL teams are going to be fighting to see who, the first big man is off the board, so I'm going to ask you, do you have a preference who you like more, Kinlaw or Brown? For me, to be completely honest, I think I like Kinlaw a little bit better at this point. I see a guy who, on a slightly longer frame, uh, is athletic. He's able to bend. He's able to move. He plays with power. He can play with extension if you want to two gaps and, and work from – a to B, he, he's able to do that, uh, but also see first-step quickness. Uh, 
this is a guy who's had sack production uh, for at least two years in the SEC. It's not anything that's just spontaneous and popped up right now. And he's not just doing it via bull rush. This is a guy that can get on the edge of the guards and really uh, affect the passer. Uh, and not saying that Derrick Brown won't, but just as a preference to myself, I just like and appreciate the way that Ken Law plays the game. Uh, Derrick Brown's an extremely talented player uh, and will go high, if not higher than Ken Law. You know, this is, this is all an opinion-based thing. And to be completely honest, this whole process isn't done yet. Uh, you know, there's background stuff that scouts have to do. You know, obviously the film is important. Players, the film is important. You put your resume on film every Saturday. But during that week, Monday through Friday, during, or Sunday through Friday, during that week, you have an opportunity to be on campus with your academic advisor, the lady in the cafeteria, the, the equipment staff, the training room staff, uh, your coaches, uh, the strength staff. And these individuals tell us what type of person you are. That person lets me know, man, what's in this man's heart? Is he, is, is he, is he born for this? Is he ready to do this? Or is he just out because well, I'm going to do this because I, I, I'm big and they say I can make money? Nah. You got to let me know where you are from a, from a, a heart and a dedication standpoint. So those things that you mentioned as far as with, with Kinlaw, uh, I mean, those are real concerns. Not concerns that'll, you know, drop guys all the way down draft boards, but it's a concern from, hey, you know what? I got to do some extra work. As a scout, I got to go back in and I got to talk and see, hey, what was it about the maturity thing? What, what did he need to improve on? Why was he so overweight? You know what I mean? And this is just the process that, that scouts go through in order to vet themselves. You know, you're putting, mm-hmm. when you're drafting somebody so high in the draft, you're putting a lot of, at stake. We as an organization want to know exactly what we're getting. We want to know the guy that we're buying. We don't want to buy frosted flakes and all of a sudden you open the bag and it's like, hold on, hold on. I don't even have like Fruit Loops in here. This is the generic brand. Fruit Loops. You know what I mean? Not only is it the not frosted flakes, but it's not even the real Fruit Loops. You know what I mean? So we need to know exactly what we're buying. Yeah, no, you can't leave uh, any stone unturned and you make some great points there about the evaluation process. But like you said, it comes back to the to the film and I always tell players you know I hate to put percentages on it and it's hard to say what percentage it is but I would say at least 80 percent of your resume is your film and I you know and and I think it's different for everybody but you know I'd be curious to hear your perspective on because you know the 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 intangibles really like between the ears and right there inside your chest you can't measure the heart so, you know, those are that that 20% intangibles is what usually makes or breaks a player, you know, outside of injury. Uh, I think really like the combine and the pro days, like the combine's good because it's an apples to apples, orange to orange comparison. And, you know, it kind of confirms either how you felt or, or how you don't feel. And, 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 you know, you get a couple players that say, hey, well, he tested really well. What did I miss? Let me go back and double check. But to me, at the end of the day, I agree with you. Every week, what you're putting on film is really what your resume is. And, and that is going to be not the end all be all, but I think that's going to be the, the significant percentage of an evaluator. Correct? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I cut the film on. I want to be able to say, you know what? I like this guy. I like him because of this. You know, uh, from a measurable standpoint, does he heat? Does he meet our standards? Yes. From a uh, academic, from, from an, an athleticism standpoint, does he meet our standards? Yes. Uh, from a movement skill perspective, is this the type of guy that we like? You know, yes. I need to be able to check these boxes off, you know. And like you said, it's going to be 75 to 80 percent of the evaluation. Uh, the other parts of it comes from guys that you have grouped together. So you, when you organize your board, we throw guys up on the board. Boom! This area scout feels like it was this. We room decided on this, but you end up with clumps of guys. So you end up with a clump of guys in the fourth round. Fourth round being guys that could potentially come in and, and serve as a backup. You feel like these guys will develop into uh, hopefully starters or contributors in the next year or two. That's the thought process. They're, these guys are grouped together. So if I have a set of D tackles that are all grouped together, each one of these guys is 6'4", uh, uh, there's going to be something missing about him. You know, there's a reason why he's in the fourth round. Maybe he's a run stopper only. You know, we drafted Jelly in the fourth round, but he was our top-rated nose whenever we uh, made that selection. So we felt like that Jelly, once we seen him at the senior bowl, uh, was, you know what? He's a little bit short in stature, but we like that. He's squatty. He, he has a, a big bubble, big thighs. He's able to sit, bend, uh, play with extension, use his length. Uh, and movement skill-wise, he's agile for a big man, agility for a big man, not, being, not stuck in trash. We don't want guys on the ground. And being on the ground, is, it shows a lack of athleticism. Uh, it shows a lack of, man, uh, care, not picking your feet up. But... You know, we go through all of these processes, go through these steps, and just making sure that these are the type of guys. So if you have all of these guys grouped together, what's going to separate them? Is one a better pass rusher than the next? Is one a, a, a better run stopper than the next? Is, is this guy just pure uh, athleticism? And from an FBI perspective, he really doesn't know what's going on. So if you have these three guys, how do you separate them? You know, what's going to be the determining factor for you? Is it, is it the athleticism and that separates them once you get to the combine? Is it the character? Is it the background? So you end up with clumps of guys in different areas that at some point you have to be able to quantify and move them around the board and place them in certain areas and certain spots. That way there's a definitive answer once you get to draft time as to why we're making a selection that we're going to make. Yeah, and I'll just follow up with one more point, you know, just going back to the heart aspect, if you guys do follow along our campus confidentials, their on location reports on, you know, players that stood out and guys that were watching this past weekend, I was in Philly for the temple game and, you know, you can't measure heart, but every now and then you find a player who just, you know, is oozing with passion and energy. And, you know, they say, Oh, it's the it factor. I mean, this guy's pouring out bleeding football where he has so much that so much heart that you can't deny it. And that was Sean Bradley, the Temple linebacker, who, you know, little bit undersized, uh, not the most impressive guy from a measurable standpoint, but the guy just continues to show up. And, you know, the big uh, fourth, fourth down goal line stand against Maryland early on in the season, you know, against Georgia Tech, he's flying around the field. But this guy's probably made about five or six uh, you know, game clinching plays, whether it would be a, a icing the game with an interception, uh, recovering a fumble, creating a fumble, 
I mean, you can count almost on two hands how many got how many games this guy has made momentum changing plays to ice the deal, seal the deal. And, you know, even one game he had a big, I think, against Tulsa last year. He's in there on special teams on the on the punt unit, and he takes a fake punt for a first down to seal the deal. When a guy can constantly does that, I mean, you just say, hey, you know, this is a player right here. This is a, this is a dog. And, you know, Sean Bradley, you know, again, I'm not sure he even gets drafted, Vaughn, but I put a, a round four grade on him just because, to me, this is a guy at the end of the day, and I think that's the beautiful thing about the all-star process is they're all alpha dogs. But for some reason, the cream always rises to the top, right? The You know, you got all these stud quarterbacks. They're all the man at their school, on their team, and then you get a group of them together, and one of them just rises to the top. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the all-star process. But going back to Sean Bradley, that man – I don't know if he gets drafted or not, but he's a make it kid. He's going to uh, be at the next level. He's going to be uh, down the road, potentially competing for a starting job as an every down linebacker. And I even went and confirmed going into the game. I reached out to some of the former Temple players and said, you know, I already knew the answers to the quiz, but I wanted to hear it from their words. I said, hey, who should I be looking at? It was consensus. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sean Bradley, Sean Bradley, Sean Bradley, and he just lived up to the billing. So every now and then you do find a guy that has so much passion, so much heart, so much energy that you just can't deny it. And that's the kind of guy, really, that I want on my team all day long. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, you started out, man, Temple Temple is a tough school. They're known for that toughness. And guys that were single digits at Temple, they earn that single digit. Sean Bradley with number five. And he's had it for two years. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why. You know what I mean? So that speech right there lets everybody know when I'm watching on TV, <laughs> number five right there, that's a dude. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, a, that's a real dude right there. So, now nah, you, you speak to it. And, and sometimes, man, uh, there are exceptions to the measurable portion of it. You know, there's always going to be – Tyran Matthew was an exception. You know, obviously there was a background issue coming out and things like that that you had to quantify and you had to meet and, and talk to the man so you can truly get the true picture of what was happening. But from 5'8", he's not really a corner, he's not ideal size as a safety, like what are you playing? There's a lot of discussion in draft rooms during that time. Like what do you do with it? You know, at that time guys weren't really – uh, playing safety, that were small guys. There's been a little wave of them that that have come in, but I mean that, that wasn't the ideal fit. But uh, you see what he's been able to do, not only in college but on the pro level. Lamarcus Joyner is another one. You know, uh, he was another guy that was an exception guy for us. Uh, you know, five eighty, one eighty, or whatever. He's coming out of Florida State. It's like, okay, well, what what is it? I, I like this guy. I just don't know where to play him. I don't know where to put him. But Guys that fly around, guys that show some type of passion, guys that uh, when you go into the school and everybody's talking about them like they were talking about Sean, that means something, though. That means something, you know? So, and, and you stated it right there. Sometimes as scouts, sometimes as evaluators, sometimes you feel like, man, during the draft, man, uh, I, I got to buy traits. I got I to gotta buy athleticism. I'll, I'll get to heart at another time. You feel what I'm saying? And you, mm -hmm. some of those guys that, that go undrafted are, are, are draftable talent, are draftable players. But teams feel like 
that, you know what, I'm not going to be able to uh, find a 6'2 corner that's 200 pounds, that has 32-inch arms, that's just fast enough, but he's just converted from receiver. I'm not going to be able to find this guy uh, as a priority free agent. At that time, I'm going to be looking at all small corners. So i got to take this guy. You know, I may have to let Sean sit, and hopefully I get him in free. You know what I mean? So the, as, as players, man, don't look at that draft process, especially once you get to day three. Once you get to the sixth, sixth round on, don't look at that stuff as, oh, I finally made it if I get drafted, or I'm, a, I'm not a success if I go undrafted. No, it's all about, man, what happens when you get thrown onto that team. Like you said, man, cream rises to the top. Guys that are real dudes, people mm-hmm. gravitate to them. Coaches will see that, man, this guy's committed to the process. I see why the folks at, at Temple liked him. I see why he stayed on the field at Florida State even though he was 5'8". Oh, I see why everybody at LSU vouched for him. And no matter how many uh, tests, quote-unquote, there were issues with, he was still on the roster. And we were able to see Honey Badger on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? So that, that, all that stuff is important. And it, and it weighs in on heavy on what's going on with this draft process. No, great points once again. And, you know, I will say 55 undrafted rookie free agents on the 53-man rosters week one in the NFL, 55 players who went undrafted this past year's draft found their way onto the active roster in week one. So, hey, it's uh, it's not where you start. It's where you finish. Uh, you know, one of uh, the great quotes – I mean, plenty of people have said that. But if you're a fan here of the NFL Draft Bible, then you already know our Mark Brunel interview was a good one, in-depth, and uh, the NFL Legends community always raising awareness on the good and bad side there. But listen, I don't want to sidetrack here, Vaughn. I feel like we could talk football all day. Uh, this uh, hour of power is flying by us. we got a few minutes left to kind of play around with. Let's talk about this upcoming weekend, college football, week six action. Who are some of the matchups? Who are some of the players that you're going to be keeping an eye on? Uh, I tell you, uh, I can't wait for this matchup of top ten, top ten, top ten, two top ten teams in the SEC with Auburn and Florida. Uh, again, I've already spoke about Derrick Brown and, and and what he has, uh, but I really want to see those Florida guys, those edge rushers, Jonathan Grenard, the transfer from Louisville. Uh, Jabari Zaninga, uh, a talented interior guy who plays DN, D tackle uh, for Florida. I really want to see these guys go against that offensive line of Auburn. Uh, Prince uh, Wanunga, I think that's how you pronounce his name, left tackle at Auburn, has a lot of traits that will get uh, scouts and executives excited. A lot of traits. Uh, John Driscoll. Uh, those same athletic traits aren't present, but we're talking about a guy who transferred uh, up a level and for the past two years have started has ta- has started in the SEC. Uh, he's a guy that plays from a mental perspective. He plays the game a lot like Mitchell Schwartz. When I watch Mitchell Schwartz, uh, you know, guys that athletically they're real good enough. But from a mental perspective, from an FBI, from understanding what's going on, from understanding angles, uh, how to knock guys' hands down, what to do with body position, guys that just just understand how to play the position. I like these two tackles, but they're going to be faced with uh, 
you know, a, a fearsome rush in that Florida front uh, front seven. Uh, in, in addition to Zaninga and Grenard, they got, you know, an underclassman and Moon that's been productive as well. So that's going to be a battle that, that I can't wait to check out. And, uh, you know, sticking in the SEC, Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, I want to see Dar- Daryl Taylor. I've got another guy I've been high on, another guy that I feel like has the potential to be a top 50 pick if things work out correctly for an outside linebacker at Tennessee. I want to see him going against uh, possibly the top-rated tackle in the country and Andrew Thomas. I know he's an underclassman and those things, but I want to see these two guys work. I want to see what type of uh, success Taylor can have against uh, top-flight left tackle. Another yeah, battle that's are... interesting for me too. I got one yeah. more. I got one more for you. We got the battle at LSU. We got Jordan Love coming down to Death Valley. I want to mm-hmm. see these two quarterbacks. Yeah, I want to see these two quarterbacks work against each other. I know LSU is coming off a bye week, uh, so defensively, uh, some of their guys in the secondary who are top-flight talents, Christian Fulton, have been nursing an ankle uh, for a couple weeks. Uh, I really like him. I really like him. But I want to see him healthy, and I want to see him versus top-notch competition. Uh, and I know Jordan Love is going to try to come down here and go down to Baton Rouge and light light up Death Valley. But I want to see how Joe Burrow responds. Uh, he's gotten a lot of media attention over the first few first month of the season, and they're coming off a bye. Uh, I want to see how he responds in Death Valley. All the attention is on him. All the attention is on Love. Uh, what happens? What's going on? How is he going to respond? How is he going to produce? Is it, will he answer the call? I think he will. Yeah, that's going to be really, you know, that's an exciting one because of the QB showdown there. And, you know, the uh, LSU coming off the bye, that can be dangerous, but they needed it in a big way because I know the defensive tackle and the linebacker were also banged up. I mean, they had a lot of injuries. Uh, Lenard Fournette leaving the team this week so they had to deal with mm-hmm. that um you know but i would tell you this i'm i'm intrigued to see you know because i saw jordan love week one and i believe he um is going to graduate this year which makes him post uh all-star game eligible but you know i saw him week one against wake forest where you know when the pocket collapsed and he was kind of you know forced to make some throws i don't know if he was doing too much or if the pressure got to him but he had three interceptions in that game and you know he's mm-hmm. you know him and burrow are both really trying to state their case for first round consideration but uh as you know von i mean you cannot turn the ball over if you want to uh, be a franchise signal caller so it'll be interesting to see how that lsu defensive pressure uh whether that rattles him or not. And it feels like, you know, that Florida and Auburn game you mentioned, you know, I'm looking, I'm sitting here looking at the top 10 and five teams out of the SEC. This Auburn Florida game is essentially an elimination game. And I don't know how many mm-hmm. SEC teams wind up in the college football playoffs, uh, but this is going to be, you know, a slugfest. Um, last question for you. Um, well, we'll get to, you know, any places you might be coming up, but. Do you have a uh, – if the season were to end today, do you have a top four that should be in the college football playoffs? Again, putting you on the spot here, I think we can, you know, assume Alabama and Clemson will be there at the end, even if they do have one loss. 
who are the other two teams do you think could maybe sneak in here? Uh, this, this is going to be a battle because I've, I've went to a few of these schools. Uh, I, I really like Georgia. I really like uh, you know a couple of these teams in the South. Uh, I think it's a number of teams across the country that, that have a chance for, I mean, to get into that playoff. Notre Dame's played well. Uh, so a lot of those teams like that. I haven't seen enough of the country to fully give a true opinion about the rest of uh, the country. I know what's going on down here in the South. Uh, I, I know o Ohio State uh, has good guys that the young edge rushers that they got out there, man. But uh, mm -hmm. to kind of like you said, Alabama and Clemson. I think both of those teams will will definitely be in consideration. And then I'll, after that, uh, I think I would lean towards. I really like the LSU squad. Really like the LSU squad, and I think it would be Ohio State after that. Yeah, you know, Ohio State, Oklahoma were the two teams I think that fourth spot came down to last year. But, hey, you know, Georgia's been just as good. I mean, they've been right there neck and neck with Alabama the last couple of years. Um, maybe this is the year they finally get over that hump with Fromm to be determined. But I think, you know, the coach there at Georgia, I mean, I stack him right up at the top in terms of what he has done uh, recruiting. Um we're doing some recruiting here at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Any pit stops on coming up for you, Vaughn, in terms of your next destinations? Uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, I'll head over to Georgia Tech and watch Georgia Tech UNC this weekend. Uh, next weekend, I'm, I'll probably end up uh, at South Carolina. Uh, was trying to see uh, South Carolina and Georgia. Either I'll, I'll probably do that and see if I can kind of mix in that Florida State Clemson game uh, next weekend also. Uh, and then following that, man, I'll, I'll make a swing up in North Carolina, hit Wake Forest, App State, North Carolina State, Duke, East Carolina, uh, those schools in that area, UNC, hit those schools in that area uh, to try to knock out that state of North Carolina. All right, so there you have it. If uh, you're a player out there listening, want to know when we're going to discuss you, when we're going to talk about your team. Uh, there's Vaughn's upcoming schedule. Of course, I've got the uh, Purdue-Penn State matchup uh, this weekend. I'll be at uh, Dartmouth versus uh, Penn, a little Ivy League action, mix it up, and then out west, be making the rounds out west, back-to-back -back weekends. I'll be out there, uh, you know, catch some West Coast action, and we'll be talking about those schools here on the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl Big Board Show. Uh, Vaughn, first show in the books as, as uh, riding shotgun. Uh, looking forward to the next few weeks. You got a parting shot here. Any last words of wisdom for our listening audience before we put a ribbon on it? Uh, fellas, we talked about uh, putting what you are on tape every Saturday. Uh, create your resume. That's my parting shot. Create your resume. Uh, create it on Saturday. Don't tell me what you're about to do and run your mouth and say all of this on Twitter. And now nah, let me see it when I cut on the tape. When I cut the tape on, I want to see. Oh, 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 I don't even have to try to figure out. Hey, man, hey, get let me get my list to see what guy. No, I want to be able to see. Oh, oh, Jonathan Abrams, number 38 from Mississippi State. I want to be able to see that. You know what I mean? 
I want to be able to see the guys flash on tape for me. So create your resume. That's my part in shop, fellas. Rick, I appreciate you having me on. It's been a blast. It's been fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Well, hey, everybody benefits because uh, I enjoy talking football with you. I know our uh, listeners at home are, you know, learning as I as I am too. And, you know, to have yourself and uh, Dane, you know, both joining me each and every week, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun as we count you down to the 2020 NFLPA Collegiate Bowl in Pasadena at the historic Rose Bowl, January 18th. And, you know, you're going to want to be there in the Pasadena, L.A. area. Make sure you get all your reservations in line, book your tickets, do what you got to do, because that man I was just talking to, Von Hutchins, and the gentleman I had on earlier in the show, the director of college recruiting here at the NFLPA Bowl, Dane Vandernat, and myself, Rick Saratella, will all be on location at the scene. And I think that's one of the things you can already begin to see in terms of, our new identity this year, you're going to get the hype, the recognition uh, from a social media standpoint, because we do have a lot of uh, important key decision makers following us on social media, believe it or not. But more importantly, uh, with the people who matter in the league, when you come to the NFL PA Bowl, your information, your film is being seen by the people who matter most. And that's one of the things you get here at the NFL PA Bowl. Our coaching staff is going to be full of former NFL coaches, former NFL players, Hall of Fame players like Ed Reed, Jackie Slater, uh, some of the coaches, Daryl Green. I mean, you know, if you were to tell a player this, I mean, you can't make this up. It's, it's a player's dream to come out here in L.A. for the week, be treated like a king. Now, hey. NFL teams are going to put you to the test. They're going to keep you up late. They're going to wake you up early. But in terms of being a pro, hey, you get a little taste of it. You get introduced to the players' union. You get introduced to what it uh, means to be a pro. You get treated like a pro. And we find out real quick whether or not you are a pro. So, hey, tune in to our show, the NFLPA Collegian Bowl Big Board Show, each and every week here on iTunes, on Blog Talk Radio. Feel free to drop us a line, leave us a comment, hit us up on Twitter, follow us at NFLPA Bowl, visit the website for the entire big board, uh, hashtag NFLPA Bowl for all of our, you know, behind the scenes stuff. But hey, we can't stop, we won't stop. Till the next time, everybody. The NFLPA Collegiate Bowl Watchlist Show is part of the All Access Football Network. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.